Hi, friends. Welcome to the Rock Your Joy podcast. I'm your host, Anya Rock, a woman, artist, entrepreneur, mom, and high-performance coach. I'm working on becoming the best version of myself and inspiring others to do the same. This is my invitation to you to be part of the collective shifting of consciousness. Let's choose love. Let's choose joy. And let's rock your joy one day at a time. Hi, friends. Welcome back and welcome to the final episode of the Rock Your Joy podcast for 2020. I am so humbled and grateful to each and every one of you, whether it is your first time listening to the show or you have been one of my loyal subscribers since the very beginning. Thank you for showing up, for lending your ear, and for allowing me to share some of my insights and musings about the world and how we might discover more joy. As I'm reflecting on the year myself, I can see the journey from where this podcast started as just an idea, a concept, a way that I might reach more people, to something that truly challenged me to grow and expand my voice. And looking forward to the next season, the next opportunity to grow and move into the greatest version of myself. And I'm so grateful that you are along for the journey. One of my favorite themes that has come up over and over again this year, in a year that was so hard on so many levels and yet cracked us open in so many new ways, was purpose and joy and how they are connected. I know for myself, when I have been disconnected from my purpose, it has felt unmoored, wandering. And when I have reconnected to my why, to my purpose, and to my vision, when there is clarity around that, everything seems to align and joy flows in through the very work that I do. And so today's episode is a collection of some of those moments where I've talked with incredible women about their journey to joy and how purpose is intertwined, interwoven into that joyful life. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year, and I'll see you back here in 2021. I mean, the first thing I think that's important to understand, because some people have what I call purpose anxiety, like, oh my God, I can't find it. You know, and I was joking <laughs> with somebody. I was like, it ain't in the middle of my sock drawer. You know what I mean? I looked under the hamper, like, I can't find it. What if I miss it? And, do you understand? And I think, you know, I, I speak of this as big C, little C, right? For some of us, um, we're born, whether we know what it is we're here to do, it, it comes to us at four years old, that crystal clarity. And then if we're lucky, if we're supported, if we're nurtured, we have the ability to just surrender and be on the path, right? Others of us, we will bumble around, you know what I mean, and have all kinds of experiences. And then it will click at like 45. Like, oh my God, this is what I'm here to do. And the truth of the matter is no journey is better than the other, right? But even for those of us, and I was a late bloomer, right? So even for those of us who are late bloomers, right, who it comes to us in in various ways, there are often what I call the little C's that are the breadcrumbs to the big C, right? So we get called in a moment. Sometimes we get called in a moment to speak up when something's going on that's not working for us. Other times we get a hit like, oh, I should call my mother. 
or, oh, I should go check on my child or, oh, why? you know what I'm saying? Like there's a, our gut works. And for those of us who haven't had the opportunity to build the relationship and the connection to the other aspects of ourself that are communicating to us, <laughs> right? Um, that the practice for some of us is being able to first hone in on the little C and know that the little C is actually giving us uh, guidance and breadcrumbs and a pathway to the bigger C, the things that we love, the things that piss us off. Mm-hmm. They're all connected. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. There are things that we enjoy that sometimes we don't even understand why they bring us so much joy. They just bring us so much joy. And it's and it has to do with those qualities and aspects of our soul that are bigger than any job or any accomplishment or any role that we've been given. This is kind of like the the essence of the spirit, the core of who we are is always tugging and nudging and pointing to who we are and what we're here to do. And so it's our opportunity to listen. You know, people always say, how do I find my calling? I go, get still. Yeah, you got to make time. Start to listen. I mean, I think I've been coaching since I was really young. I was sort of the coach in my family. Um, I can think back to being like 11 years old and the kind of books I read. I was always reading personal development and just books that none of my friends were reading and that were way beyond my years at the time. It would be, uh, if I saw someone reading the books now at 11 that I was reading then, I would think, what is wrong with this kid? (laughs) So I think the thing that we all end up doing in our life is the thing that we've always been doing in our life. And we just didn't have a label for it. And I always knew, even from a very young age, that I wanted to get into psychology or self-help or something like that. But In my teenage years, I also really wanted to be an interior designer. And I just knew it from the time I was in eighth grade. I was like, I'm going to be an interior designer. And I started going through the yellow pages because back then there were the yellow pages for computers (laughs) back then. And I found this school in downtown Chicago and I applied. I applied in the eighth grade. I'm like, oh, great. I've got this all figured out. And this is where I want to go to school. And this is what I'm going to do. And they, of course, sent me a letter back and they're like, well, you, you kind of need to go to high school first. My parents didn't even know I did that. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a bummer. You know, I'm like, I got to waste four years in high school. So I did the high school thing. And then I went to design school and I got my degree in interior design and architecture. And it was fantastic. And I knew that, you know, once I became a mother, here we go back to the mother thing, that I would um, go back to school and I would get a, a degree in psychology, child psychology. And then life had a different plan. I um, was pregnant with my third child and my ex-husband and I were going through divorce and there was no time and space or money to go back to school. That wasn't going to happen. Three children, single mother. So as life would have it, a friend of mine called me and I was, it was 2008. So it was a crazy, crazy time. And a friend of mine called me and said, you know, there's this Martha Beck life coach training program that a friend of mine's doing, and I think you should do it. And I'll never forget it because I was walking in car line, going to pick up my kids from school, going, what are you talking about? Like, what is it? What even is that? She's like, I don't even really know, but I just think you should do it. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll check it out. And literally within 24 hours, I was signed up. And it was one of these things where I just started to follow 
my like knowing, my internal knowing and not question it. It was really an, one of my first experiences in deep flow. And I mean, that was the next nine months I was doing that. I was coaching within a few months and it was like, oh, this is it for me. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I've always had this passion for, I'm going to use this one statement, if I knew now what I, if I knew then what I know now. And I just, I always really liked this idea of if our young, I, I ended up coaching a lot of friends, obviously, contemporaries, and a lot of us in middle age, right? Like figuring out like who we are and what we want to do with our lives. And so many of us ended up on a path that wasn't right for us. So people doing things they didn't want to do because their parents said they should, or because they thought it was the right thing to do. And I was seeing this deep connection between people in their forties and fifties and this deep unhappiness and marriages falling apart and families falling apart. And, you know, all these patterns and habits that did not actually lift us up into our most joyful lives. And I kept thinking, gosh, if you just knew when you were 20, you didn't want to be that lawyer that you are today, how different would your life be? And so the more I was working with, you know, people in their middle time in their life, the more I got with like, I really want to get them younger. I really want to start talking to, to younger people, not to necessarily change change them, but just give them an opportunity to see a little bit more clearly. So um, I started working in school because I thought getting to kids, one way you can get to kids is through school. Started working with parents because I know that us as parents, we can create a lot of our children's suffering you know, from our own fears. And that all felt really great. And um, then I just started getting more and more, as my children were getting older, and I was talking and working with their friends and their friends would gather here and we'd be having all these great conversations. I started noticing, oh, these are my people. This is who I really like talking to. I think like most people, if you weren't really raised, were taught, which I think a lot of parents didn't do, and hopefully more are starting to do it now because they learn from their own experience. But you know, my parents said, don't get a credit card, but they didn't really explain why or how to manage your credit card. So I went to college, took out some loans, used my loans to go on spring break. Then after college was living in New York City, where I was starting this journey of media and, and PR and wasn't making a lot of money, got into debt because I was trying to keep up with a lifestyle I couldn't afford, which I think a lot of Americans do these days. And got into that consumerism mentality, buying things, going out to eat and drink with my friends, wanting designer clothes to keep up with other people in my business and in that world. And started to realize, wow, if I continue down this path, one, it's going to be impossible to get out of debt with the money I'm making. It's going to keep me from all these other goals. And I just knew that that wasn't the life I wanted. So I took charge. I moved out of Manhattan got a roommate and really was working hard to pay down my debts, working extra jobs, making swaps instead of going out to eat, cooking at home more, like doing all those things that people tell you to do. I was living that and finally got out of debt. And so that also intertwined at that time when I started working with the discount shopping site, as I mentioned earlier. And I realized not only was I passionate and excited to share those tips with other people to help other people realize their opportunities for creating financial wellness, but I also as a female, I was really passionate about helping other women 
um, understand the importance of knowing how to manage their own money and also not relying on somebody else to provide financial stability for themselves. So that was another thing that I was really, I, I found important, which also came from personal experience because my mother who didn't work all of a sudden found herself in a position when she was getting divorced that life was a lot harder to manage because she didn't have the, that the financial management skills that she should have at the time. But then also, um, as I was working with um, this in this personal finance space now, I was also then working with media who found my advice so important and useful during that recession, during that downturn. And that gave me the opportunity to really build my brand and, and go out and help other people. So I feel a little guilty. Initially, when I started this, I just wanted to see Rosie smile. So I, that was like my main driver. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure this out. And she's on board and she's happy and she's loving life and she loves herself. She like, and now she tells me, she's like, I love being bald. It's like prayers answered as a parent. Like I am, I'm loving that. So I guess I, I just making her smile and then by proxy making all of these other children and families and that come across that we get to meet like I going to Capitol Hill and advocating for people that, to have wigs covered um, just seeing the families and working with the hospitals going to Ron, Ronald McDonald house every month well now we can't but like painting with the families and seeing our mission like in real time like just gives me joy I was turning 40 I realized that um it was time for a second act and to, you know, start to follow my passions. And um, I realized that people in the corporate world, just born from my own experience, really could benefit from, uh, from mindfulness. And I thought when I left that I would pursue a career or build a company, if you will, teaching mindfulness in the corporate world. And two things happened. The first thing was, is that I landed a few clients and went to different corporate settings to teach and put together mindfulness programs or develop wellness programming. And I realized that it's not where I wanted to be at all. You know, I was like, this is more of the same. Um, I don't want to help people be more productive so they can make more money for like a company like I, it, I feel like I'm essentially, you know, just doing it for the wrong reasons. And so I was, that was kind of like, you know, I was mulling over that. And then the election happened. Mm. And you're in New York at this time still. I was not in New York. I was in okay. South Florida and I was devastated. Like many people were by the results of the election. And I just felt an incredible amount of grief and despair. And I wanted to, I wanted to channel that energy in a positive way. And so as meditation teachers, you know, we, we know that the purpose of meditating is so that we can have the opportunity to sort of, to choose what the response is going to be versus just having this innate default mode reaction. And evolutionarily speaking, as human beings, we have a fight, flight, or freeze reaction. And after the election, feeling that great amount of despair and grief, I knew that I wanted to channel 
that in a very different way and decided to try to create almost like a new default mode, leaning into my, uh, my meta bhavna, my, my loving kindness practice of uh, empathy and action. And so I looked for ways to try to be resourceful and helpful and, um, again, in an act of self-preservation, really, I became really involved with the Women's March. I became very involved with a number of different organizations. And I really, you know, created a, a genuinely deep connection with a lot of women that felt exactly the same way. And we started this journey together. And I realized that as I was watching others around me, you know, almost like in a slow-mo setting, well, like you're in a movie and it's like a Saving Private Ryan type movie where like there's gunshots flying everywhere. You're like, oh, you know, like freaking out because you're watching people fall left and right. And really, that's what I was witnessing for the first six months after the election. You know, people were just like in a freak out zone and were really charged up, you know, flying to Washington for marches and calling their senators and doing all these really relevant and important things. But what would happen is that they would all burn out and experience activism fatigue because most of them did not have resilience or like a surge capacity of any kind, you know? So their surge capacity was depleted very quickly. And I recognize that as a mindfulness teacher that I could help in this space with these individuals for a cause I really, really cared about to help generate and, and help people cultivate resilience so that they could be in it for the long haul because this was a marathon. It was very clear early on and not a sprint. Hi friends, it's me just popping in to invite you to a very special workshop on Sunday, January 3rd from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are ready to release the energy of 2020 and activate your highest purpose in 2021, I hope you'll join me. There is something so powerful and potent about a group of women coming together to align in the energy of our highest self. Not only are we closing out the year, but we can use the energy of moving into a new season. So many powerful things happening and so much magic in the collective. I hope you'll join me. All the details are in the show notes. See you there. This is where we're talking about everything kind of like culminating into the now. I wrote this children's book maybe three years ago, and it's part of a series. And without giving away too much of the plot of the first book, it's um, a series with that I wanted to have have more Black representation within children's stories in the space of wellness. And so this story and, and travel and nature. So this story is about a long, a young boy or the series follows a young boy and he goes on adventures in different parts of the world. And, um, each story kind of ties into like a fruit or vegetable to encourage healthy eating. And then there's a recipe that's kid friendly at the end through the adventure that also ties into, to the storyline. And so, 
I wrote it because health food is also a privilege, unfortunately, having access to it and knowing what to do with it and having the education around it. Healthy eating is, is a privilege that a lot of marginalized kids don't, don't get. And so I wanted to kind of bridge that gap. And then, um, you know, nature, I've, I've been talking and thinking about this a lot lately, but just how I, I grew up with a black dad who like loved nature and more than my white mother, which <laughs> we were always camping. We were always just everything, anything outdoors. We were there. And I spoke on this recently in one of my posts, but I was always told like these activities were white activities, like hiking or skiing or rock climbing or whatever. And how that is in its language, taking away these activities from black or brown people and the irony in that because black and brown cultures are so rooted. Indigenous cultures are so rooted in nature. So wanting to see that bridge happen and come back together. And that's really why I wrote these stories. Starting to pay attention to the way that we are talking to ourselves that promotes suffering, right? So suffering in this context can be anxiety, fear, discomfort, frustration, right? Anything that really has you feeling bad, it's starting to pay attention to the stories that you're telling yourself. Because the idea is to drop the story and to truly just focus on the feeling. So listening to yourself first is really about paying attention to the way you're talking to yourself that is promoting more suffering for you. Because that then does the same in your conversations, right? So if you're telling yourself daily that you're, you know, not a great listener, like I just can't ever listen to certain people. It just doesn't happen. Well, in those interactions, you're not going to be able to listen to them, right? Because you've already created this belief about yourself. And so you're just going to follow it. And so starting to notice what is yours and what is somebody else's, right? And not necessarily, you're not switching the language so that you're talking to yourself in a really positive way, that you're like the cheerleader. But the idea is for you just to start noticing that you're talking to yourself in a way that's not helpful. And then to be able to say to it, oh, wow, that's not really helpful. How can I be more helpful to myself right now? How can I be more uh, generous with myself and more friendly toward myself right now? in this moment. And the more that practice begins, the more self-compassion you cultivate. And then you can then be in interactions and somebody says something to you. And instead of taking it as a criticism or taking it personally or reacting, you're then able to really understand, okay, this person said something. I'm starting to tell myself this about what the person was saying. Is that true? Is that real? And so you check in with yourself in those moments to then really move it to the side so that then you can really listen to the other person. So it really begins with you. And you're listening not only to like the voices and voices, right? But you're also listening to the sensation in the body. So in those moments where you're uncomfortable, you feel it in the body, right? Um, in those interactions and you can, some people 
might feel closed in, contracted. Other people, you know, their chest might beat pretty quickly. Their or their heart beats fast. Their palms start sweating. So you feel you start to pay attention and listen to the body. What's happening in this moment, right? Am I feeling comfortable? Am I not feeling comfortable? Is this something that I need to talk to? Is it something that I need to process later? Is this something that I need to just be able to figure out how do I sit in this discomfort? And that's why meditation is really important because that's what it teaches you to do. It teaches you how to see everything, notice everything, not judge it as good or bad necessarily, but just allow it to be there. Right. And I feel like so many people are afraid of that, right? Resistant to sitting and being with all of that. I mean, I think what I hear people say is, oh, I try, I try to meditate, but I just can't stop thinking. It's too much. Yeah. It's too yeah. loud, <laughs> right? Too loud. Yes. Um, so what do you, where do you go from there? Well, that's the beauty of it. To me, that's what meditation is truly about, right? The misconception is that you have to stop thinking and that thinking is bad. Mm -hmm. And that to me is truly what meditation is. Meditation is all of those thoughts because you are sitting there, your mind is going, going, and you're just noticing them. And when you get caught up in one, and suddenly you're into next week or you're into, oh my gosh, what did I even say? Or you're down, you know, in like a vacation you took three years ago and wondering why in the world did I not say something at that time, whatever it might be. That's the beautiful moment because that's when you get to realize, whoa, I'm completely distracted. I'm completely off in another land. I'm just going to see that and say, thanks so much for sharing so much for being here, but I'm just going to like say goodbye and I'm going to come back to my present moment and focus on my breath or the sound or whatever the anchor is. Right. But that's like that to me, that moment where you notice your distraction and then you come back to the present moment. That is the most beautiful part of meditation because that's where the teaching is in so many ways. Because in that little moment, you are teaching yourself how to be kind to yourself. You're teaching yourself how to be out in the world, have so much chaos going around, distraction, things coming in. And instead of you know reacting to it or hooking into it, you start to see it, acknowledge it, come back to your present moment. So that little moment, that to me is like the gold of meditation. Thinking is great. It's just when you get caught up in the thought, that's when you have to be able to say, there I am, I'm caught up right now. And I'm just going to come back to what my feet are doing, my hands are doing, my present moment. In some ways, my life's taken like such a number of up and down trajectories. And in some way, it all feels for the same purpose, which is, um, let's work backwards. I am now, I still act when I can. It's my great love. And I also do a little bit of styling. Like I have a, my own e-boutique with accessories and skincare. I call it Abstrom's kind of, like <laughs> Nordstrom, Abby's Nordstrom. Um, and because of my own life experience, I am also a fertility coach. So I help couples and women, primarily women, struggling with infertility. And in some ways, those have all been, in, all those things have been entrenched in me in some way forever. So it's just a matter of melding them together into what feels like the right combo now. I met my business partner, Sophie, 
because I ultimately coached her through her fertility journey, her secondary infertility journey. And we ended up being pregnant at the same time. And when I was done, I just said, I think I want to do this like all the time. And by the way, from the podcast, I would have random people reaching out to me constantly to be like, here's what's going on with this. What do you think I should do with that? And so I was basically already fertility coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sophie is uh, just, she's just a wonder, she and I are great balance. Like she's just, we have a different vibe, but a, uh, a lot of the same values and she's an MSW. So she also was like, I think I also want to be in the fertility space. And so we spent a lot of time because, you know, she'd be like, I have childcare for an hour on Thursday at four. And we'd spend an hour, you know, sort of brainstorming, how are we going to do this? And so we finally, ultimately, right before COVID hit, we were about (laughs) to launch and then everything took a turn. So we are now relaunched. um, Digitally. What? Digital coaching. Digital coaching, exactly, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, which is basically what we were doing anyway, but we certainly didn't think it would be exclusively digital coaching. And we, you can either do, you know, like a multi month long package with us, or you can do just like a one time, we call it the deep dive. Um, but we just spend time with women going through it and we, analyze what they're going through, help them be, we help them as a, we provide, we just are an innate support system. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it has, you know, we're just getting off the ground, but so far has been incredibly rewarding and no question. It's part of my purpose for sure. If you love this podcast and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real time updates. Anytime I post a new episode. Feeling inspired and want to share the joy? Leave a review so others can find the podcast more easily. Want to hang out more with me? You can find me on the interwebs at www.anyarock.com. That's A-I-N-E-R-O-C-K. And I'm also on Instagram at Anya underscore rock your joy. Till next time, rock your joy. This episode was produced by Dante32.